When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler communications. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Play Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in, especially live on our YouTube channel. If you subscribe, you get notified whenever we have new content available to you. But also, if you go to our, our on-demand app and download on the Foxy Network, download it on your LG, Samsung, Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, or download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Always, you can stay in touch with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We got the Sunday Funday recap for week 12 here for you guys today. A lot of action to get through. Nobody was on bye. Everybody had to play Thanksgiving week. Apparently, that was an NFL mandate this year. I'm not really sure why, but it was. 
So we have a lot of content in today's show jam-packed for you and a lot of lessons to take out of it. So you know what? Let's just go ahead and get into our thumpers and bummers of the week. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! Our first quarterback thumper coming all the way back to Thursday, which, I mean, on Thanksgiving weekend, by the way, seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not the only one who had off on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And you wind up losing track of days when you're not used to being off that many days. It feels, it literally feels like four days ago is a lifetime ago on Thanksgiving. But don't forget Josh Allen for week 12 was a thumper. Maybe he didn't light it up through the air, but that's okay. 253 yards, two touchdowns, 78 yards on the ground, and a rushing touchdown like that. None of the quarterbacks really had a tremendous week, but Josh Allen proving once again why, look, his floor-to-ceiling ratio is just super insane. Quarterback bummers. It's weird to say that to attack Lavoa when he had 299 passing yards is still a bummer, but he was because he only had 299 passing yards. He only had one passing touchdown. He didn't do anything for you on the ground. It just shows you in fantasy football, when you have a quarterback who doesn't consistently give you production on the ground, that it can leave you open for a bottom out floor. And it's unfortunate because, well, really, two attack Lavoa didn't have a bad game, but didn't have the box score that you really needed at the end of the day either. And we, I mean, I know, I know we ranked him inside the top six or so. So in most people, it's one of those games, unfortunately. I'm not moving him down as a result of this moving forward, but at the same time, not the performance you're looking for against the Houston Texans in week 12. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! How about Justin Herbert? 274 yards, three touchdowns, 38 yards on the ground. I kept telling everybody this. I was like, look, if you have Justin Herbert, don't worry about it. As long as he gets one of his receivers back, which he did, Keenan Allen, by the way, he'll be fine. He just needs one safety blanket. And he'll be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL from a production standpoint. And he was in this week. Number two on our thumper list, Justin Herbert. If you have him, he's paying off in a big way. No reason to fret as long as Keenan Allen or Mike Williams or one of these guys is healthy moving forward. Quarterback bummers. Again, it's a little weird. Dak Prescott, 261 yards and two passing touchdowns. He comes under the bummer on the week. Now, most of that, of course, has to do with the fact that he did not rush, and he also threw two interceptions, which, depending on what kind of league you're in, could be minus four, could be minus six, could be minus eight. A lot of leagues have different discrepancies when it comes to the interception scoring ratio, and that's why I mean, with our you know, algorithm, it, it, it consists as a negative two. Negative two per interception. So he gets minus four points along with the fact that it wasn't an overly productive fantasy day because he didn't do it on the ground. Now, all of a sudden, we're looking at Dak Prescott and we're like, well, we kind of left us hanging on Thanksgiving Day. And wants to be a number two bummer of the week. Quarterback thumpers. 
This is Sparta! Kyler Murray. Only 191 yards through the air, but two touchdowns. 56 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown to boot. If you're wondering why you're looking at our thumpers and bummers, the quarterback position, you're like, hey, you know what? The thumpers don't necessarily make sense. The the the, the bummers don't necessarily make sense. Well, Kyler Murray should pretty much paint you the picture as to why that is. He's the only one getting you 56 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown coming off the hamstring injury. He's good to go. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's why. Fantasy production-wise, that's what we get. That's what we're dealing with. Now I understand. And that's why Kyler Murray himself comes in as a thumper of the week. Now he has to go into a bye week, of course, but just that little bit, just that little bit on the ground is all you need to get a guy to get you inside the top five any given week. Quarterback bummers. Oh, Jimmy G. Look, I mean, like, not having high expectations for Jimmy G, of course, but he is somebody we've had consistently ranked inside the top 14, 15 of quarterbacks. Somebody who has a sleeper value. If you're looking for an emergency start, you know, we're talking about, we're telling you to start Jimmy G. The schedule's there, the weapons are there, and that's kind of what you get wound up leaning left with. But then you have games like today, and we'll get more into it when we get into the insights of the game. But 222 yards on through the air, one touchdown, only four yards on the ground. It it does serve well to illustrate what the floor of a Jimmy Garoppolo could be if the 49ers, frankly, don't need their offense to do a whole lot of scoring. Like they didn't need it in this one. And that has more to do with it than anything else, quite frankly. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Josh Jacobs. He's not just a thumper for this week. He's a thumper for the year. 300. Over 300 yards from scrimmage. Remember on Friday... When we were reporting from the at Billy Up MDFF show on social media, remember reporting the fact that Josh Jacobs was dealing with a calf injury and we weren't even sure what his availability was going to be? Oh, and by the way, he actually missed a few snaps in this game, missed a portion of this game because of the calf injury. It wasn't like it went away. It wasn't like it wasn't a real thing. He actually missed a couple of series because... He was getting checked out due to the calf injury. So it came back in, played in overtime. 300, over 300 yards from scrimmage. For a guy who was dealing with a calf injury. Didn't look like it hindered him at all, that's for sure. And the fact that he finished in overtime and won the game-winning touchdown makes you feel like you'll be able to trust that he's available for you going forward. We'll keep an eye on it, but... 229 yards on the ground, two rushing touchdowns, seven targets, led the team, by the way, six catches, 74 yards. <laughs> the guy's insane. He's in freaking sane. Unbelievable. For a guy with a calf injury, that's what we're dealing with here. Running back bummers. 
It's getting to the point where I don't know if you can actually confidently start Alvin Kamara. Usage certainly isn't there. They're not making sure they get him double-digit carries. He got seven in this game. I'm sorry, 13 with seven yards, seven targets, which typically speaking, if you tell me if you get seven targets out of an Alvin Kamara, like, okay, I'll live with that. Six catches, okay, I'll live with that. But you tell me it's to 37 yards and he didn't score a touchdown with two fumbles, the boot. All this talk about Taysom Hill needs to be the one who gets the, the ball. And you look at the Saints and you go, uh, how about your best offensive player, which is Alvin Kamara? Why isn't he the one with the emphasis on getting the ball? Why is it Jameis Winston, the starting quarterback? Why are we having to deal time and time again with the low ceiling that is Andy Dalton on a team that's going nowhere anyway and has no draft picks? So it's not like getting the better draft picks, the you know, beneficiary here. I don't get it. Alvin Kamara and the Saints, I mean, they're just that's, just, that's just a bummer group in general. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! <laughs> Austin Eckler is probably the only running back who can get 20 yards on the ground and still be a thumper for the week. 15 targets. 15. 11 catches. 60 yards. One receiving touchdown. He's probably the only running back you can sit there. He's a PPR cheat code. That's it. He's a PPR cheat code. 11 catches. 15 targets. Only 20 yards rushing. The touchdown, of course, I mean, no matter who you are, the touchdown's always nice, but that's all we're talking about. First production outside the end zone. And yet he's still our number two thumper of the week. Justin Herbert playing better. Justin Herbert throwing more. It seems to just equal Austin Eckler getting more checkdowns. <laughs> it's insane. But that's what we're dealing with, Austin Eckler. And it makes you feel like, it makes you feel good. Because if you have Austin Eckler right now, you're looking at this game as like, this is a floor game. 60 yards to the air, 80 yards total, one touchdown. That's a floor game of an Austin Eckler. Even though PPR-wise, it was an absolute Chico because he got 11 points just off of receptions. Chop it up to Austin Eckler, man. He, he's getting the job done one way or another. Running back bummers. Typically speaking, I don't want to hold injury against players, but when you look at Travis Etienne and you see the fact that he only had three rushing yards and that was it before he was knocked out the rest of the game, it's hard not to feel like he shouldn't be on the bummer list. It's hard not to feel like if you're a fantasy owner who is expecting top 12, top 10, top 8 RB production, which is what Travis Etienne has been since he's taken over the starting job. And you get a guy that bums out his ankle and you get 30 yards total from, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to feel? So this is more a reflection of the people out there that, you know what? This was not what you wanted. And I had to recognize that for you. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! James Conner, don't underestimate a plus, 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 plus matchup when it comes to any one position, and the Chargers being that position when it comes to the running backs. Now, yeah, sure. 
the 49ers and some other teams not go off the way you necessarily expected it to. But we do know that the Chargers ultimately, at the end of the day, are terrible against the backfield. We do know that James Conner, especially without Eno Benjamin anymore, for whatever reason, we still have not figured out the answer to that question. He's a volume king. 120 yards, three targets, three catches, 20 yards, and a uh, receiving touchdown, excuse me, that's what you're left with. James Conner continues to be an RB2 based on volume. That That's neither here nor there. What's, what's there is that now you know that if the volume if the volume and the matchup are right, you can expect some big performances. The ceiling, the opportunity for the ceiling is still there. Which is some good news, because honestly, that was an answer. We weren't really 100% sure about the question, too, with the way James Conner has played up until this point. Running back bummers. Damian Pierce, two weeks in a row now. Five carries. That's it. Eight yards. That's it. Six targets. Three receptions. Eight receiving yards. 14 total. I'm sorry, 16 total yards. Look, I know a lot of teams at this point in time have been harping on or keying in on Damian Pierce because that's the only consistent offense that they have had. But he's been too good at this point, I feel like, for teams or anybody to bench him in their fantasy football lineups. But what can you do? When you have two weeks in a row of defenses saying, like, you know what, if we just key on Damian Pierce, if we just make a point to shut him down, well, then the Houston offense clearly has nothing to counter. I don't care who the quarterback is. What are you supposed to do? You have to keep playing Pierce, but you have to know in the back of your mind to you play a defense with any kind of competency whatsoever. You might be looking at a terribly low floor. And that that's that's right there. That's that's the trick of it. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! What about Amon Ross St. Brown? It's been a little bit of a rough going since he's been getting back from the injury, but he does get going in this game. 10 targets, 9 receptions, 122 yards, and a receiving touchdown against the Buffalo Bills. In the game in which, by the way, I like to point out that Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark were both healthy for. It's not about lack of weapons for St. Brown. It's about having as many weapons as he possibly can have on the field so he can get as many one-on-one matchups he can possibly have. So, therefore, Jared Goff goes to him with the ball. That's, I think, that's where we're at with St. Brown. That's what we're looking for. We don't want him to be the only guy. We don't want him to be the only guy that we can say, by default, you're going to get X amount of targets based on the availability of these lesser players. No, 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 no. We want as many playmakers out there as possible, so that way the Buffalo Bills cannot just sit there or any defense can just sit there and key in on an Amon Ross St. Brown. That's what we want. That's what was clear by this game. Wide receiver bummers. Mike Evans. Mike Evans had nine targets. You tell me Mike Evans is going to get nine targets in any game. I don't care what, what matchup it is. I'm going to tell you he's probably going to be a wide receiver too. Two catches, 31 yards. Oh, my goodness. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We'll get into more of the insights of the game of this later on, but God, you got to be feeling very disappointed with Mike Evans the last two weeks before the bye week and now coming out of the bye week, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, what do you do? Too good to bench, not playing well. There's a number of players that seem to be falling into this middling category where it's like, I can't play you because you've been terrible. I can't bench you because you're too good. What do you do? And you have to take it by a week-to-week basis. And look, my best advice I can give you is, you know, follow us on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show. We'll try to help you out as we go along. But your frustration, your frustration is not lost on us here on this show. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! On the flip side, his teammate, Chris Godwin, 13 targets, 12 receptions, 110 yards. Oh, by the way, one receiving touchdown. We'll talk more about this later, too, but it is good to see Chris Godwin coming off the ACL injury, seemingly turning the corner and getting back to what he was before. Wide receiver bummers. So, I was told before this game happened that, uh, for the Falcons, Kyle Pitts wasn't expected to play, correct? So if he was going to be out there, and it's already kind of limited as far as where the targets go for the most part anyway, it would it would stem the reason that Drake London would be the number one target for this team, but <laughs> reason and reality seem to be two different things. Drake London, four targets, two catches, 29 yards. Go figure. Without Kyle Pitts, even Drake London still can't be anything fantasy-wise that you can trust. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Our number one thumper, Justin Jefferson. 11 targets, 9 catches, 139 yards, 1 receiving touchdown. He brought it on Thanksgiving night against the New England Patriots. Obviously, that mild turf toe injury is not something to be concerned about with that kind of game that he was able to put up against that kind of defense. Man, Justin Jefferson is so good. And now with the injury to Cooper Cup, how are you going to tell me that anybody besides Jefferson should be the number one receiver moving forward? Because I guarantee you cannot. Wide receiver bummers. Jamar Chase in play. When Chase doesn't play, Tyler Boyd, who is a quality, talented NFL wide receiver, by the way, I feel, and it's a shame that I feel like I have to actually remind people of that because he comes up in this game with only four targets and two catches and 16 yards, and it feels like Tyler Boyd is just an afterthought whether Jarmar Chase is out there on the field or not. This is the crap that I'm talking about. It's so annoying. So annoying. But Tyler Boyd just not getting it done. And therefore, with Jamar Chase back on the round, you can go ahead and drop this guy. 
you can go ahead and drop this guy. We have to take a quick break. We're having a little technical difficulty. When we come back on the other side, we got our tight end thumpers and bummers, and we'll get right into our insights of the game. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe that we get notified whenever we have new content available to you. If you download us on the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices, you can catch us on demand. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. It really does help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, going over the Sunday Fun Day recap for a week to 12, baby. Of course, there's a lot of jam-packed information to get through. We're having a little technical difficulties. We are getting through it. Hopefully, you guys aren't seeing it on your end, which will be a good thing. But let's go ahead and get into those tight end thumpers and bombers. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! DJ Hawkinson, six targets, five catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown. The touchdown being the key part. It was not a big week for tight ends. And you know what? I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna bother you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bore you guys with all the uh, the thumper drops because it wasn't that exciting. Travis Kelsey, by the way, number two thumper, eight targets, four catches, fifty-seven yards, and a touchdown. Okay, usually you have like, okay, that's a fine stat line, but it's nothing to be too excited about. A number one thumper, Dalton Schultz, four targets, four catches, thirty-one yards, but two receiving touchdowns. It's all about the touchdowns when it comes to the tight ends. There's no other way around it. And when you get to our bummers, Gerald Everett, four catches, four targets, 18 yards. 
it's a bummer because they're playing against a top-notch matchup against the Arizona Cardinals, which I'll be told at this point, they've given up nothing but touchdowns to tight end position. Same thing goes with George Kittle. George Kittle doesn't score a touchdown, but you're not going to bench him anytime soon. And Greg Dolchich. Dolchich is a different story. Three targets, two catches, only 11 yards. He's a different story because we now have, what, two to three weeks now of Greg Dolchich being on the bummer selection when he's supposed to be a top 12 tight end. At least that's the direction in which he was trending in. He did have a touchdown today called back due to penalty, which would have changed everything, of course. But (laughs) Russell Wilson, this Denver offense is so bad. Secondary pass catchers like Greg Dolchich, they can't be trusted. I would go as far, and it's it's hard for me to say this because the talent, the process, the, everything had been there, but I can't stand to sit here and have Greg Dolchich be another guy on another week for three weeks, maybe even four weeks in a row, of being a bummer. And not advising you to do this. Prepare to be flushed. We'll get into it more during the insights of the game, but how the mighty have fallen in a very, very short period of time. Speaking of the insights of the game, let's go go ahead and get into that. We got a lot to talk about, as we always do, of course, but let's take the lessons that we need to take with us moving in to... Next week. If we can ever find the the drop. I know, I know, I know. We found it. <laughs> we we found it. Don't you worry. All right, we're starting back over with the uh, the Thanksgiving games. Of course, we had three matchups during that game. We had the Buffalo Bills, the Detroit Lions in that matchup. And... The notes that I have for the Bills is, well, McKenzie, McKenzie's the reason why Gabe Davis was left in the outside here. We know Stephon Diggs, he's going to get his, and he did. He had eight catches and 37 yards. He had a touchdown. He had 15 targets. He's going to get his. The question is, is it going to be Isaiah McKenzie or is it going to be Gabe Davis, who's that secondary wide receiver? And Davis to his credit, have been getting more than six targets finally over the past two weeks, seven and nine, respectively. But not this game. Only four catches, 38 yards. Instead, it was Isaiah McKenzie who had 10 targets, six catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. What lesson do we have to take out of this? Gabe Davis is going to have to start being valued as a mid to bottom level wide receiver three, who's a boom or bust product at the end of the day. He has not busted out. He's not broken out the way we thought he would this season. And at this point in the year, it's not something we would suddenly suspect that he does. He's touchdown dependent, but those touchdowns are not as consistent as you would like them to be, even against plus matchups like the Detroit Lions in this game. So here's my advice. My advice is this. As emergency flex plays, as upside flex plays, if you want to play an Isaiah McKenzie, if you want to play a Gabe Davis, go for it. Just know you have no floor to back it up. It needs to come from somewhere else. Or you need to be in the right situation where it's you got no choice. 
Don't come crying to me when these guys bum out. That's the only real note I have for Buffalo because, I mean, Devin Singletary, lead rusher. Okay, he's going to stay in that low-end RB2, high-end RB3 phase. That doesn't really change. Josh Allen was terrific. And Stephon Diggs, while he didn't go off-off, he still had 15 targets in this game. So the volume was never a question. So you're left with the situation of, you know what? Nothing really changes when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. On the flip side, you go to Detroit. Some things changed. For the better, by the way. DeAndre Swift finally had double-digit opportunities. He didn't have double-digit touches. He only had nine, but he had double-digit opportunities for the first time since week one. And what I kept saying, I kept saying, like, you can't play DeAndre Swift. He's going to have less than 10 touches every single week. And while technically he did have less touches in this game, they did try to get him more involved through the flow of the game. He also had a touchdown. Leave it to DeAndre Swift to always find a way, right? <laughs> Leave it to him to always find a way. Uh, Swift is that guy where you're going to always feel compelled to at least play him in the flex position. The good news is in this one, he finally played ahead of Justin Jackson, so maybe you'll be able to do so with some relative confidence moving forward. I don't know what's holding him back. I don't know what Detroit, with the coaching staff, why they feel the need to hold him back the way that they do. It's not injury. I'm watching this guy on tape. Physically, he's fine. It's whatever the coaching staff is seeing, whatever message they are trying to send. That's the issue. And there's really no question, there's really no answer, I should say, for it, unless you're actually on the inside of that locker room. Of course, I'm honestly St. Brown. We we talked about him during the wide receiver thumpers. He finally finds the end zone again since week one. That's what you need. You need Amon Ross St. Brown to bring the thunder. That's why you can keep playing him every single week. So nothing really changes there. What about the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys? You're always going to play Saquon Barkley. That's not the question. But I will say this for the last two weeks. He's been, well, relatively inefficient. 3.5 yards to carry this week. Does get the rushing touchdown, 11 carries and 39 yards. But only four catches for 13 yards and six targets. It's kind of similar to, we mentioned Damian Pierce being one of the running back uh, bummers of the, earlier in the show. It's kind of similar to that. They're facing teams are just like, you know what? The hell with this. We're just going to key in on this one player because this one player is what makes the whole offense go. And while the Giants made this a game, surprisingly, ultimately what was the problem? They didn't have enough firepower. Once, once Saquon Barkley was taken away, they had no counter for that. From a fantasy football perspective, that becomes an issue because now that all of a sudden that becomes a blueprint for everybody else to use against them. And now we'll be looking at games where, you know what, Saquon Barkley is not able to get loose like he was before unless the matchup dictates it as so. Does that change about Saquon Barkley being an RB10, a top 10 player, a guy that you're going to play every single week as an RB1? No, that does not change. What changes is that maybe... In that flex position, that wide receiver three, that wide receiver two position, maybe even that RB2 position, depending upon your roster construction, you might have to take that extra home run swing. That's what that means. 
And it's a frustrating thing to do so because you don't want to leave yourself hanging. A lot of times when you do take those chances, you wind up in a situation where you're leaving yourself with a much lower floor than, frankly, you should have been. But those are all things to consider when it comes to an Saquon Barkley. What about Darius Slayton? He led the way. He led the way. But he's still nothing more than the wide receiver four. Daniel Jones is a shit quarterback. Plain and simple. And I tend not to curse on this show, but I mean, there's just no other way to describe it. Torn with 35, torn 28 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. But you look at Daniel Jones, you just think to yourself, like, you don't move the needle. You're not the answer. So even if I've wanted there to be some kind of fantasy production coming out of the wide receiver group, between the fact that none of them are overly talented, even though I like Darius Slayton, he's definitely not an overly talented number one anchor of a team anywhere. And the fact that you have a quarterback who, frankly, will be a backup no matter what happens next season, there's only so much you can do. When you go over to Dallas' side of the ball, well, guess what? I warned you guys all about this during the show. On the Look Ahead Wednesday, we did the full preview. I also warned you guys about it during the recap. If Zeke is going to be back, and it wasn't, I wasn't certain it was going to be back that Thursday, but I was like, if Zeke is going to be back, guess what? <laughs> Tony Pollard's not the same guy. It's frustrating. Sure. Should Pollard be the guy with his athletic ability? Absolutely. You won't get any argument out of me, but the fact is the fact. And the fact is, Ezekiel Elliott is the number one running back. It was a 50-50 committee, his second game back off a hyper-extended knee for a player who is not, who's not explosive at all. And yet, he's the one with the rushing touchdown. He's the one with the better efficient day, 5.8 yards of carry compared to 3.3 out of Tony Pollard. <laughs> This is why Tony Pollard's nothing more than a high end RB three. And by the way, Zeke, high end RB two, low end RB or high or low end RB two. Excuse me, high end RB three. He falls in the same boat. The volume will not allow anyone running back in this scenario unless somebody is hurt to be the lead guy. You move on to the wide receivers. We'll see the lamb. He's still good. Six catches, hundred six yards, eleven targets. Yeah, no, he didn't score. But who cares? Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. See you, Liam. It's all good. Dalton Schultz, by the way, showing you why he has to be a top 12 tight end every single week moving forward. Sure, it was only four catches for 31 yards and four targets, but he gets two touchdowns. As long as Zach Prescott is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, Dalton Schultz 
is a viable play as a top 12 tight end. Because even when he's not scoring touchdowns, he's typically getting volume. Let's move to the Thursday night game. New England against Minnesota, where both quarterbacks, Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins, both had great games. Mac Jones, 382 yards on two touchdowns, no interceptions. Who saw that coming? Not me. But even Kirk Cousins. The last time I checked, maybe it's different. I don't know. But last time I checked, Thursday night, whether it was Thanksgiving or any other day of the week, was a primetime game. Kirk Cousins, historically, absolutely terrible in those primetime matchups. And yet in this one, 30 of 37, 299 yards, and three passing touchdowns with one interception came to play. Clearly, this Vikings team was on a mission to bounce back after the terrible week the week before against the Dallas Cowboys themselves. What it really tells us is Kirk Cousins remains as a guy that can be considered as a low-end QB1, a high-end QB2, and Justin Jefferson is safe. 139 yards, a touchdown, nine targets, I'm sorry, nine catches and 11 targets. He's safe as a wide receiver one, an elite wide receiver one at that. Adam Thielen scored for the first time in a while, one touchdown, and he had a huge volume, 10 targets, nine catches, 61 yards. That's just something we have not seen consistently enough for me to suddenly feel any kind of confidence that that will be the case moving forward. I believe in TJ Hawkinson. I believe in Justin Jefferson. I believe in Dalvin Cook, who did have a rough game in this matchup. But those are the guys that are centered in this offense who consistently get the ball. Everybody else is an after fact. Everybody else's circumstance. Let's move on, though. Let's 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 talk about Tampa Bay and Cleveland in this game. There's some bad weather in this game, so there's some things to be forgiven here. But the Browns winning makes things interesting. Why does that make things interesting? Well, it does mean that Deshaun Watson, who's supposed to be back and under center starting next week against the Houston Texans, if he can get going. The Browns are now still in position to potentially be competing for a wild card spot. So it means they'll still be aggressive, which is typically speaking, being a team being aggressive is a good thing fantasy wise. Their offense is the point in this game, no doubt about it. I mean, Amari Cooper was okay. He had seven catches, ninety four yards, and twelve targets. But people Jones, four targets, two catches, sixteen yards. Blah. Blah. David Joku gets a touchdown, but it was a fluky. The only thing you trust for the Browns, and it's been the same all year, is Nick Chubb. I mean, 116 yards, touchdown. Nothing changes there, but I will say this. When Deshaun Watson comes back, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, as far as a single player is concerned, is the most beneficiary to that move happening. Because he'll be the Will Fuller type. He'll be the big play wide receiver. We'll still be a little bit boom or bust, sure, but his boom games could be league winners of the day. So keep that in mind. On Tampa Bay's side of the ball, well, eh, Brady had the volume you're looking for, 43 pass attempts, but still wasn't that efficient. 29 completions, 246 yards, which signifies a lot of checkdowns and two touchdowns. He didn't throw any picks. Okay, great. Not necessarily what you're looking for as far as an offense that you thought could be turning the corner getting back on track. But the one guy that I do have confidence in that completely and utterly turned the corner was Chris Godwin. 
13 targets, 12 catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. That is a guy that turned the corner. Chris Godwin might be the most valuable wide receiver for the Buccaneers for the rest of the season, including Mike Evans. Because Brady, who has to get the ball out of his hands ultra fast due to the poorest play of the offensive line, that plays into Chris Godwin's hands more. And Mike Evans, everything he does is going to be more down the field, going to be more route developing. It's not going to be the quick pass attempts, set hike, get the ball out of your hand style. That's not going to be who it's going to benefit. That's going to benefit Chris Godwin. Start thinking as such moving forward. Rashad White, by the way, did he light it up? Eh, maybe not, but still going over 100 yards from scrimmage, getting nine catches on nine targets, 4.6 yards per carry. Look, he didn't score, but I think he did everything else he could have asked him to do. Letter Fournette, no doubt, will probably be back as soon as next week. But I think Rashad White is here to stay as the starting, quote-unquote, running back in a committee form, of course, with Leonard Fournette. Meaning, at the very least, he's going to be a flex value. Plain and simple. Let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Perrine was serviceable. Came in for Joe Mixon. He scored a rushing touchdown. Wasn't necessarily efficient. 3.4 yards of carry, but he does get close to... You know, 100 yards from scrimmage with the touchdown, which is all you can ask for. Seven targets, four catches, and 35 yards. It just proves that he is the handcuff when Joe Mixon is out. Plain and simple. T. Higgins, in the absence of Jamar Chase, continues to be the number one wide receiver. Six, seven catches, nine targets, 114 yards on a receiving touchdown. Not to mention Hayden Hurst getting nine targets in this game. Hayden Hurst falls by the weight side. Tyler Boyer apparently already did, but... That's what happens with Tyler when uh, Jamar Chase takes over. T. Higgins, on the other hand, maybe his ceiling's not quite as high. Maybe he's not doesn't have the ceiling of a, a top five wide receiver. I mean, maybe that's the case. But he's so talented, he's so phenomenal that even with Jamar Chase back, I don't think it takes away his top twelve status. Certainly, it doesn't take away his top fifteen status. So T. Higgins, for me, if you have him, he's here to stay, and I don't really care what's going on as far as the locker room. Let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. Traylon Burks, man, he just finds a way to get it done, doesn't he? Fumble recovery for a touchdown. And if you're in a smart league, and maybe not everybody is, I'm not really sure because I saw some weird things going on on social media. But if you're in a smart league, that should count as a miscellaneous touchdown, a.k.a. a special teams touchdown, a fumble recovery, whatever the case may be. Traylon Burke should be getting six points for the touchdown for the touchdown fumble that he recovered in the end zone. He should be getting six points for that. And he tacked that on with the 70 yards, the four catches. He chucked it up to a pretty good day for there for Traylon Burke. So, by the way, still in the lead when it comes to Robert Woods, when it comes to Nick Westbrook, Ikine, Traylon Burke's Derrick Henry. Those are the two weapons. When it comes to the Tennessee Titans, don't you forget it. Let's move on to the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins on the Houston Texans. I mean, really, honestly, it gets it gets real simple because we already talked about Damian Pierce being keyed in on. The other note that I have is that, oh, by the way, shocker alert, Kyle Allen, not the answer. <laughs> Who would have thunk 26 of 39, 215 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Kyle Allen's terrible. I don't know what Houston thought. 
Like, I'm not a Davis Mills fan at all, period. But even I could tell you that Kyle Allen was not going to be an improvement in any kind of capacity, especially against this Miami Dolphin defense. So I don't know what the thought process here is, unless it truly is just to tank the rest of the season, in which case, you know, you're heading in the right direction. <laughs> it wasn't like any receiver really benefited from the move either. And Brandon Cook's one of his better statistical days he's had in weeks, but he still only had five targets compared to Nico Collins' nine, even though he was less productive. I would say right as of right now, going into week 13, you're probably still going to have to play Damian Pierce. But it's getting harder to do so because with teams just keying in on the fact that, like, look, we're going to stuff your running attack. We don't really care what you do to us otherwise because clearly you don't have the capacity to do anything to us otherwise, especially playing against competent defenses. Damian Pierce might be becoming more and more of a matchup-dependent RB2. I'm still playing. I'm going into next week, but something to keep in mind. Go to Miami Dolphins. Can I just say, Jeff Wilson, even though he wound up with a touchdown, was disappointing. 39 yards to the ground, only 13 yards to the air. It's the Houston Texans who have been all-time bad against the run. No Raheem Mostert in this game. Seems like a smash, no-brainer start. Jeff Wilson's going to be a top-10 running back, no doubt about it. 39 yards on the ground. And it wasn't even like the Dolphins truly lit him up in the air. It was just one of those games where, like, the Dolphins, between their defense and their offense, they just... They didn't have to do too much to dominate this game. And this seems to be what it ultimately wound up to. And it's hard to take anything of note for fantasy perspective in games like that because you just know that it's a game in which it's not going to be a normal game script moving forward. Like next week when the Dolphins play the San Francisco 49ers, you think their offense is going to be able to take their foot off the pedal? No. So there's not much to be learned here. Let's move on to Chicago and the Jets. Boy, the Chicago Bears were in a real weird situation to start off this morning, right? Trevor Simeon gets hurt during warm-ups. They thought there was going to have to be Nathan Peterman. Then at the last second, they 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 switched back and like, oh, no, Travis Simeon can play. Well, he can start anyway. I don't know if he can play, but he can start. <laughs> 14 of 25 leaves you questioning. Eh, can you really play? I think I could go 14 for 25. This offense melted down to one thing, and that was David Montgomery, who had three catches and 34 yards and four targets and tacked on 79 yards on the ground. Goes over 100 yards from scrimmage, even though he doesn't score a touchdown. He's literally the only fantasy asset you can potentially play if Justin Fields is going to be out. Oh, by the way, if you didn't catch this game, Darnell Mooney picks up an ankle injury at that, that we're going to have to wait to see exactly what the severity of that is. If he's out, then maybe Chase Claypool will have a little bit more uh, value moving forward, but ultimately nobody has tremendous value until Justin Fields is able to prove that he's able to go back out there on the field. And with their bye week coming up in week 14, there's no certainty that he'll be out there and playing week 13, even though it seemed like he was close to playing come week 12. So there's just a lot you have to jam pack. It's a lot of, well, frankly, wait and see that we can't do much about right now on the Jets side of the ball. Uh, Mike White was a major improvement over Zach Wilson. There's no doubt about it. I don't care if you're a Zach Wilson fan or if you're not. It doesn't matter. Mike White clearly was a big improvement. 315 yards, three passing touchdowns. He just throws to who he's supposed to throw to. It's the number one read or it's a check down. He doesn't do much more than that. He plays with himself, and as a result of that, especially within the confines of this offense, 
that can be pretty productive. It's annoying. I know, but that's where we're at. Michael Carter, who especially with the surprise and active of James Robinson, he seemed like he was in a smash spot, and then he gets hurt with an ankle injury. And it sounds like it's an ankle sprain. It might be a high ankle sprain. So now we go back to the drawing board. James Robinson, who gets inactivated into this game as a surprise healthy scratch, now all of a sudden they, they might have to lean on him. I'll throw another you know curveball in there for you. Ty Johnson, who had filled in as like the emergency guy in previous, you might say that he had a touchdown, sure, but it was Zonovan White Knight. I'm sorry, Zonovan Knight. Yeah, who exactly? Zonovan Knight, who came in as a replacement for Michael Carter. So the point is this: if you had James Robinson, but he got a, it's a healthy scratch today, and you're like, "Well, I got to drop him," I wouldn't do it yet. I wouldn't do it yet. I don't know how eager I'm going to be to play him next week with all these people and all these interested parties involved here, but I'm not going to drop him yet. That's probably the best advice I can give you in this situation. And Mike White being improvement, I mean, that wasn't just a thing for the running backs. That was obviously a thing for the wide receivers. I mean, Garrett Wilson, five catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. No one else came close, by the way. That was curious. You had one, two, three, four... Four players who tied for three targets during the game. And that was second most on the team for any one particular player. Gary Wilson had eight, far and above everybody else. So as long as Mike White is a starting quarterback, Garrett Wilson, we can start to look at him as an RB2 moving forward. So we went to Atlanta and Washington. Well, uh, Patterson had five targets in this game. And while that's still not like a crazy amount that I want to get super excited over, the fact that Kyle Pitts being out led to Cordell Patterson getting his highest target total of the year, which is five, as frustrating and as stupid as that is, that is the case. We have to now look at Cordell Patterson. Maybe he'll get more involved in more aspects of the game. He split the carries down the middle with Tyler Algier and only had two less yards. He's still the guy I'd rather have, especially when you get into the goal line situation. Just It didn't happen in this game. They only scored one offensive passing touchdown. That was it, and that was to a tight end, of course. Here's the other maddening thing. No Kyle Pitts. So you're like, okay, well, Drake London. Drake London's a weapon. He should have a safe floor. No Kyle Pitts in the mix. There's only one guy from Marcus Mario to go to, right? Eh, wrong. Drake London had four targets, two catches, 29 yards. <laughs> Zacchaeus, eight targets, five catches, 91 yards. <laughs> if there was ever a team to just say, you know what? If there's anything I can do to avoid this team from a fantasy perspective, it's the Atlanta Falcons. Quarter of Patterson has my interest in some certain, certain situations, but... I'd rather just annoy the uh, just ignore the Falcons altogether if I possibly could. On the Washington side, you're going to look at the box score. Look, Terry McLaurin's disappointment, sure, but we're not going to worry about Terry McLaurin moving forward. The one thing that we do have to talk about is Brian Robinson, who had 18 carries for 105 yards, by the way, also tacked on, shockingly enough, two catches for 20 yards and a receiving touchdown. Not something we expect him to do very, very often, but... 
The more surprising thing here is that he had 18 carries compared to Antonio Gibson's nine after last week, where it looked like Gibson had finally taken back over as the lead back. This is why both these guys are RB3s and, well, you know, frankly, nothing more. Let's move on to the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. Wilson sucks. He really, really sucks. (laughs) 19 of 35, 142 yards with one passing touchdown against the Carolina Panthers. This isn't about the box score. Even when you watch him on the field, watching him wind up, releasing the ball, the velocity or lack thereof, I should say, coming out of his hand. I hope Russell Wilson's seriously injured. I do. Because if he's not, he's toast. And if he's toast, well, the Broncos still have three to four more years of having to pay out this contract before they can actually move on a quarterback. This is an organization that's about to get left in the dust to everybody else if Russell Wilson cannot turn a corner at some point. It's embarrassing. And Cortland Sutton, sure, six catches, 75 yards, eight targets. You'll live with that until Jerry Judy's back, and then you can't start him anymore. (laughs) Latavius Murray, we got a little bit confident in him because, oh, well, Mike Boone's not back yet. They trade away, you know, well, nothing trade away. They they cut Melvin Gordon. He's away now. And Chase Edmonds, he goes on IR and like left with like, okay, uh, Latavius Murray, he, he's he's the starting running back. He's getting all the work. We we have to play running backs to get all the work. And, you know, ultimately it wasn't terrible, I suppose. 98 total yards, but no touchdowns. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're... Team ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. If he doesn't score, what happens? Uh, Ceiling's not that very high. On the Carolina side, there's only one note that matters. As long as Baker Mayfield is not the starting quarterback, DJ Moore and the backfield, predominantly meaning Dante Foreman, can be productive. And it doesn't seem to matter how tough the matchup is on paper against the Denver Broncos. They had a very hard one, yet Dante Foreman still goes over 113 yards, and DJ Moore goes over 100 yards for a touchdown, too. This is what I'm talking about. As long as Baker Mayfield does not play, it doesn't matter if Sam Donald, doesn't matter if P.J. Walker, the Carolina Panthers offense has a chance to do something. Baker Mayfield is such garbage. But D.J. Moore, the good news with him moving forward is as long as Sam Donald's out there, he has a good chance to potentially get hyper-targeted. Let's move into Jacksonville and the Baltimore Ravens. On the Ravens' side of the ball, there's not much to take out of this. You're going to continue to play Lamar Jackson, who got it done with his legs, for the most part, 89 yards rushing, 254 yards passing, a touchdown. 
not a great, great, great performance, but you'll live with it. And it's enough to keep making sure that you're staying and playing him as a QB one. The more interesting fact is this because Edwards had 16 carries compared to Kenyon Drake's two. 52 yards, and he even got the rushing touchdown to boot. That's what's more interesting. Kenya Drake with Gus Edwards is not a thing. And well, and well, Gus Edwards himself without the touchdown is, is probably, you know, we're talking RB3, high in RB4 potentially. If he does get the touchdown, we're talking about a flex. So he's not much different than the other guys who are touchdown dependent RB3 flexes. And you just have to kind of live with that and pick your spots with what that means. Mark Andrews, the lead targeted wide receiver, but still four, four catches, 50 yards on seven targets. Not that great. Nobody else to really go to as any consistency. Maybe we thought Demarcus Robinson would be something, but only four targets and one catch and 17 yards. The fact is this, outside of Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, I'm not trusting anything from a fantasy perspective when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. On the flip side, we go to Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence had a great game. He should be applauded. I, I, I didn't think he was going to have this good of a game. I said so as such because I kept saying the Ravens defense is a lot better now they've made some certain acquisitions and have gotten healthier. But Trevor Lawrence, 321 yards and three touchdowns for a guy who's been routinely a QB 10 for the majority of the year. If he was available before, he shouldn't be available moving forward. Travis Etienne gets hurt. And that's the problem here. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. The silver lining, I guess. I don't know how much of a silver lining it is. We'll talk to Brian Scott more about this on Wednesday and Thursday. But he was out there on the sideline in uniform with a heavily taped ankle. So they didn't feel the need. to. They were in Jacksonville. They didn't, they didn't feel the need to send him back to the locker room, send him go get checked, the you know closest doctor or anything like that. They, they let him you know view the game from the field with the rest of his teammates. That can be taken as a silver lining, as a positive sign. But, I mean, we're really not going to know much more until we get into the practices come Wednesday. And the other thing about this, it's hard. Fluky performances as a fantasy analyst are annoying. Zay Jones, who's been a heavily targeted guy, so I don't want to take that part away from him, but him getting 11 catches on 14 targets for 145 yards without a score, that's likely his best game of the year. I would never project him to get that for the rest of the season. Christian Kirk, who was held in check in this game, I expect him to have better performances. So it's hard sometimes to get these like fluky, fluky little games. Let's move on to the Chargers and the Arizona Cardinals. So it's DeAndre Carter instead of Josh Palmer, by the way, for Mike Williams as far as who had the better fantasy day. Ten targets, seven catches, 73 yards, a touchdown. Palmer, seven targets, five catches, 56 yards. The big difference being that DeAndre Carter played the slot. That's ultimately what this checked down to. Keenan Allen, who did score a touchdown, by the way, but only five catches, 49 yards, and seven targets. He's still he's still working his way back to a full target. Mike Williams being healthy or not doesn't really affect Keenan Allen in a significant way. Austin Eckler 
we talked about him. And cr- crazy amount of targets for a running back. Absolutely crazy. Sorry, all of a sudden I got the hiccups. The point is this. When it comes to the Chargers, you're, play- you're playing Austin Eckler. <laughs> and you're playing Justin Herbert. As long as Justin Herbert has a Keen Allen or a Mike Williams, he has an upside. They have to continue to play him as a QB1. Flip over, go to the Arizona Cardinals. Marquise Brown gets activated. The surprising thing about that is that he actually led the way with the team as far as target share goes. He had eight targets. Now, now there's no Greg Dorish. There's no Rondale Moore. But he did have the eight targets nonetheless. Where Meanwhile, DeAndre Hopkins, you're not going to complain about his fantasy day because he had four catches and 87 yards and a touchdown. But still, six targets. These are kind of scratching your head. What happens when a Rondale Moore is available? How is this all going to how is, how is this all going to come down? We're not really not going to know that because the Cardinals going by next week. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. We're not going to be able to get that going. <laughs> Let's talk about the Raiders and Seattle Seahawks. So the Raiders, first of all, I guess I should say this game went as I expected. I said this was could be potentially the shootout of the week, and it was. The Raiders forty. The Seattle Seahawks 34. We already talked about how tremendous Josh Jacobs was. That's neither here nor there. Devontae Adams, 11 targets, 7 catches, 74 yards. So, was it the big day day that he had been having the past three weeks? No, probably not. But are you going to be upset about Devontae Adams getting 11 targets? You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Nothing really changes for the Raiders. This offense is predicated on Jacobs and Adams. The only thing I could say is that, you know, Jacobs had the cat injury scare, not just before the game, but even during the game. And yet he came back and was super productive and even had his best run of the game in overtime. So I would suspect that Josh Jacobs will probably be questionable throughout throughout the week, but Considering it looked like he had absolutely no setbacks, we don't have to really worry about it ultra much. On the Seattle side, it's a little more interesting. So Geno Smith was was good, 328 yards and two touchdowns on an interception. Gets DK Metcalf uberly involved, 15 targets, 11 catches, 90 yards. But Tyler Lockett, three catches, 68 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. The reason, the reason why I breeze through that is, is, is not to make light of the production they gave. It's just you're going to play those guys. You're going you're gonna to play Geno. You're going to play Tyler Lockett. Like, that doesn't change here. The one thing I did find a little bit interesting was that the Raiders, who have been ramped over the Houston Texans as far as being, being terrible with against the run, they held Kenneth Walker to 1.9 yards per, per carry. Seattle could not get the running game going. They wanted to, but they couldn't get it going. 
And yet, Walker still finds a way to get two rushing touchdowns. Just, just to make sure that he was fantasy relevant. That's what he did. Ah, the Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. So when Wolford comes back, I might have some confidence in Van Jefferson. We went with Bryce Perkins this week. Led the way with seven targets, three catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown. Allen Robinson, they already talked about, he might be out for the rest of the year. And Van Jefferson, he's going to play the slot. In Well, I should say he's going to play inside and outside more so than any other wide receiver. Kyron Williams, did he get the most carries? Sure. Does it matter? No. Outside of Van Jefferson, I don't know how much value I have in any one particular player. And Tyler Higby, nothing in this game. The Rams are a fantasy wasteland, more so than anybody else in the NFL, unfortunately. And because the Chiefs didn't have to do too much offensively, I mean, Mahomes still gets over 300 yards passing, but the one touchdown, I mean, maybe you left yourself feeling a little bit disappointed by Mahomes. Maybe you did. But you have to know what the game script was. They just didn't have to do too much in this game. Isaiah Pacheco, 22 carries. Maybe not what you're hoping for from an efficiency standpoint, getting 3.1 yards per carry. But he does get the rushing touchdown, something he has not done yet this season. And again, I just, I need you guys to bear with me with the hiccup thing. I can't get rid of it. I'm sorry. We talk about Travis Kelsey. I'm not chalking anything up in particular when it comes to the wide receivers. I mean, Sky Moore, I will say, I like the fact that he was involved the way that he was. Six targets, five catches, 36 yards, but he still played less snaps than Justin Watson. So ultimately, we're looking at this thing as, this is Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey if this was game script was actually remotely close. And it wasn't. And you have to play that based on matchup. Let's move into our last game, San Francisco, which for my hiccup situation, thank thank goodness, because I can't get rid of it. Oh, man, I apologize. It's a good thing this isn't a uh, major network show, right? Anyway, on the same side of the ball, it's getting... It's getting harder to play Alvin Kamara. Seven carries compared to Taysom Hill, six compared to Mark Ingram, who just returned this week to four for only 13 yards. Now, we know he gets the San Francisco 49ers. Like, there, there, there's reason to believe there might be a low floor. There's reason to believe that might be the case. And he did, he did have seven targets. He did have six catches. He did have 37 yards rece- receiving. But the fact that he has no touchdowns, the fact that once again, in in total, he had less than 15 opportunities, which for a running back of his nature with that offense is ridiculous. And it's happened yet again. I don't care where the matchup is. It's getting increasingly hard if you have legitimate options to play in Alvin Kamara. Chris Olave, 
he kind of almost falls in the same boat, but nine targets, five catches, 62 yards. The opportunity says you have to keep playing them. That's what it says. But you have to keep playing them as guys that are getting opportunities but maybe don't have the high ceilings. And therefore, you have to take that consideration when it comes to the rest of your lineup. On the 49ers side of the ball, the Christian McCaffrey thing hit an all-time low this week. 2.9 yards on the ground, 11 carries, 32 yards. Did get six targets again, so he maintains that level of volume, but four catches, 17 yards. So apparently, reportedly, there was some kind of knee irritation, although on the sideline, Christian McCaffrey looked like he was fired up and ready to go. So I guess the silver lining is that I'm not worried about his availability moving forward, and Elijah Mitchell reportedly came out of this game with a MCL spring, which should mean he at least misses a couple of weeks, which might mean Christian McCaffrey guaranteed more volume in some of these games, but Jordan Mason still made his mark to some degree. The fact is this, the 49ers feel like they have this game well in hand. They're not going to overuse McCaffrey. So there is a low floor, but do I think this is what McCaffrey is? Is he not an RB1? One with San Francisco moving forward? No. The answer to that is no. He is an RB1 moving forward. He does not suddenly become this low-end player. But what we were worried about, as far as all the other perspective, you know, fantasy value players, is that we couldn't predict their usage. Well, that becomes for Brandon Cooks, who had eight targets and five catches and 65 yards. He went back to being the top targeted wide receiver after he wasn't last week. But still not a gaudy stat line to go with it. Debo Samuel looked like he was in real pain. All hands are going to be on deck against the Miami Dolphins next week. So if Debo can go, he'll go. But I will say this. Between the amount of pain that he looked like he was in and the cautiousness in which the San Francisco 49ers want to play with some of their top players, I wouldn't be surprised if after this Dolphins game, we have to start to consider, all right, who's 100% healthy and who is going to have to be utilized in these games depending upon the game script. George Kittle only has four targets, three catches, 26 yards. If it feels like I'm not giving you much, it's because I can't. I can't give you a ton. I can't tell you not to play George Kittle as a top 10 tight end, especially when you look at the rest of the tight end landscape. I can't tell you not to play Debo Samuel as a top 24 wide receiver with his talent in that offensive system. I can't tell you not to play Brian Ayuk as a top 24 receiver. I can't tell you not to play Christian McCaffrey as a top 10 running back with his talent in that offense. It just seems to be, is is the offense of the San Francisco 49ers going to show up that day? Do they have to? That's the, that's the other question. The defense has been playing so well as of late. Do they have to show up that day? And Shanahan's not one of those coaches to push it. If he doesn't have to get his offense going, he doesn't have to get his, put his players at risk, he won't. 
which could mean bottom four days for fantasy football purposes. Something to keep in mind. I got to wrap it up there. I can't get rid of these hiccups. I apologize for that. Hopefully you guys are able to enjoy the show. Regardless, we'll be back, of course, again for the primetime recap. The waiver saviors heading into week 13. We're getting closer to those fantasy football playoffs. Everybody make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and also download on your favorite podcast app. I do not hiccup through every show. I promise you. I promise you. Uh, we'll see you guys again soon. And make sure you're following us along on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. And until tomorrow night, we will see you then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 